This is the Heavy Boots Podcast, hosted by Jenny Camille. This podcast is about feeling your feelings. We will talk about all of life's aspects where feelings and emotions play a part, which I have to say for me is about all of them. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into it. Welcome to the first episode of Heavy Boots. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you for listening. This podcast will have many different facets and different ways of going about talking about topics and emotions and feelings, but what I thought I'd start out with is reading you an essay that I wrote about five months ago about the strays. (laughs) This essay is... um, very telling of what I've been through in the last year, and I thought it would be a good baseline for everyone to know where I'm coming from. I'm really proud of the essay, and I put it into a contest recently, and so we'll see how it does. Um, It was just really important to me to write down what I was feeling, which I do a lot, and you'll hear a bunch of it in all different ways. I write poems and stories and all kinds of things, but um, I thought this would be a good way to start. I'm just going to read the essay and uh, let you find out a little piece of me and what I've been going through, and hopefully it helps you too. That's The whole point of this is not just to hear my feelings, because I hear them all the time. It's actually to hopefully help people not feel alone and to make my pain and my emotions and feelings worth something, that we don't go through anything without it meaning something. Um, There's a purpose for it all. So this essay is called Strays. I did the two things you should never do when meeting a stray cat. I fed it and I gave it a name. Percy, pronounced Percy, If you were reading this, it's spelled P-U-R-R-S-I-E in true cat lady fashion. I only have one indoor cat myself, but I am often given crazy cat lady gifts because I just love cats so much. I have the scratch scars on my hands from as early as age four to prove it. And hold up, you cat haters. I have the scratch scars because, I mean, have you seen a four-year-old hold a cat? It's not with much grace or care. I hardly expect the scars were the cat's fault. Well, when you feed a stray, you should know that they will tell their friends and family. Had I known that, would I still have fed him? Of course. But what I wasn't expecting from the small exchange of food and gratitude was a relationship that has spanned over seven months and has tested my heart and broke me, in the best way, a few many times. What you should know is that I met Percy just shortly after we moved to the country. By country, I mean dirt roads and well water. But to be truthful, we're only a mile from the highway and only a 15-minute drive into town. We're far enough out that you can see the stars and hear the coyotes, but not so far out that you can't hear the highway when it's bustling. We made the move after trauma struck me twice and left me with some post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD. I also had anxiety, paranoia, which all eventually led to deep depression. 
Saying I have PTSD makes me feel very uncomfortable. I have always associated it with soldiers or law enforcement agents who have seen things that I couldn't even fathom. Still, this is what I was diagnosed with. I have battled with bouts of depression for nearly 25 years, but only now, after a lot of work, can I see the forest for the trees. In May of 2021, I was living in what has been deemed one of the safest cities in the world. A cute little one-bedroom apartment was all that we could afford in this safe city. It was nice, but the turnover left us always a little on edge. You'd meet a neighbor, and then three months later, you'd meet their replacement. Some were perfectly kind and wonderful, and others had clearly forgotten that they shared walls and ceilings with other people. I paint this picture only to show that we were already on our way out. We were looking for some quiet. We were looking for some quiet, and on May 10th, 2021, any sense of quiet that we could muster in our little cul-de-sac was shattered. I had just gotten home from working. I said hello to my cat, Paisley. I like P names that end in IE, apparently. <laughs> I changed out of my uniform, made myself a snack, and put on my noise-canceling headphones to listen to my favorite podcast, Armchair Expert. As I sat down in my bedroom, I could hear some pounding through the headphones. So I got up and peeked around the bedroom door into the dining room where Paisley was perched in her window overlooking the whole street. She looked at me calmly as if she wasn't spooked. So everything must be fine, all right? As I turned back to the bedroom, the sounds that followed mirrored fireworks, and I felt in my gut that something was terribly wrong. I ran back to the dining room, and Paisley was already making her way towards me. I didn't go and assess anything. I just grabbed her, grabbed my phone, and got to the deepest part of my closet. We would spend almost an hour and a half in that closet, clueless as to what kind of terror was going on outside on a tiny little cul-de-sac in one of the safest cities in the world. During that time, I peed my pants. The sounds were so unsettling, there were loud booming feet going up and down our stairs. It was terrifying. As it turns out, officers were the ones running up and down our stairs to get a good angle on our neighbor across the street. The same neighbor that we would see from Paisley's perch. The story of his life is not mine to tell. But for months leading up to this day, there was erratic behavior. The thing is, is that I was pulling for him. I felt so many things for this man I never met, and I just hoped that he would be okay. He died that day. But not before he had a shootout with officers, which resulted in one of those officers losing their lives. The shadow that was cast over our street that day was wide and long-lasting. No one was the same. You could feel it. Well, I could feel it, because I feel everything. My safety bubble, that probably shouldn't have existed anyway, was shattered. A few years ago, I found out that I'm an empath. 
After years of self-hatred, overeating, binge drinking, therapy, and all of the coping mechanisms you can possibly think of, it was actually a relief to have this information. Labels are usually something I'm not about. They trap people in a box and they give no room for redemption or change or freedom. And yet when I was given this label empath and then told what it meant, I felt free and understood for the very first time who I was. And when I say understood, I mean understood by me. I could never understand why I was so brooding, so feeling, and melancholy loving. An empath is someone who is highly sensitive and often senses the feelings or energy of others. They often take on that energy or emotion, and if not dealt with properly, they could be holding others' pain long after the others have healed. That was so innately me. Even as a child, I would sense energy. After trips or big events, I would sit in my room for hours, alone. I always wondered why I did that, and to be honest, so did everyone else. Little comments about how weird it was are still in my empathetic backpack full of scars. When this shooting occurred on our street, I was so devastated for my neighbor. It's not that I wasn't concerned with the officer who lost his life. That was beyond tragic. But I knew my neighbor. And by knew, I say that in quotation marks. Because I didn't know him at all. I knew his emotions his feelings, his energy, and it stayed around a while, and I became so angry with myself for feeling so sad for him. He caused all this. I went into my room alone again. I stayed in there for over a month, and I wrote poetry and watched The Big Bang Theory until I had worn the whole show out. I did some teletherapy and eventually was able to go on walks with my mom and get outside again. But I was so shell-shocked. Like I said, my bubble was popped, and now every person whom I trusted on the street was a potential threat. One particular night of paranoia that stands out to me was about a month after the shooting. A neighbor had a friend come visit, and strapped to the side of their Jeep-like vehicle, they had two red tanks of gasoline. My mind went from zero to 60. I even called my mom and grandma to see if we could all go over there and sleep there for the night so we'd have somewhere safe to be. I just knew this guy in that Jeep was going to burn our complex down in the night. The panic was so real and I couldn't shake it. I went to the hospital that night and was finally given some sleep aids. When we got back, the Jeep was gone, I took a pill, and I went to sleep. A few more tumultuous weeks like this went on. I wasn't eating, and when you don't eat or sleep, your body is on high alert because it knows something is wrong. It was an ugly cycle until I found a wonderful woman who did Reiki. The second she was done with our first Reiki session, I made a beeline for In-N-Out. I got a cheeseburger, and it was the best cheeseburger I ever had in my whole life, and I ate the whole damn thing. I also slept like a baby that night. Things were looking up. I was out and about working again. I had some family visiting from Idaho and I went and did everything I could with them. 
They left around August 6, 2021, and I was feeling fierce. I went back to work the week of August 9th, and I was rejuvenated by their visit. They have the most replenishing energy. They're the best. And I was feeling good. My job is so fun. It's like a treasure hunt. I'm a ship shopper. I basically get paid to grocery shop or pick up prescriptions for people. It's much more fun to shop for other people. It's good hours because you make your own schedule and good pay because the tips are usually generous. This particular week, I broke my record of money earned in one week for that whole year. I was back, baby. I was so confident and feeling so good about myself. Like so, 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 so good. I I just want to stress that. I was so happy on cloud nine. I had one last prescription to drop off, but the customer was not there. I called them and there was no answer. I thought I'd wait. I had a whole hour before I was meant to pick up my boyfriend, whom I usually refer to as Mr. (laughs) I pulled around and I parked in this little alcove area. It's really super nice. Off street parking, had a little ocean view, had some Taylor Swift playing on my DVD player. And, uh, bam! Barreling straight at me comes a car. First it hits a fire hydrant, then a person's mailbox, then it bounds directly for my car. It was all within a matter of seconds. I was in complete and utter shock. All my airbags deployed, and I was able to push, though it was hard, out of my door and go sit on the curbside. I was wailing like a crazy person. I was just on top of the world and relaxing by the beach, way the hell off the road, parked, and yet it was like I was wearing a target. Hit me! Hit me! Hit me! I can still smell the smell of the airbag, and I can still hear the sounds. The person who was driving the other vehicle was now unconscious. He had a dog in the vehicle with him, but the dog was okay. I was just so worried about the guy and if he was going to be okay. It was all so scary and so sad. Some of the neighbors rushed out of their homes to assist and they helped me to calm down. I just kept saying, that's my livelihood. That's how I make my money. I just had the best week. I was lucky, again, to have walked away without any life-threatening injuries I later learned that the person driving was on methamphetamines mixed with alcohol. It made me so sad for him. At the time, I wasn't angry. I just got so apathetic and went kind of numb. I didn't even really mourn our sparkly blue car that I was so excited to own. Needless to say, my PTSD came back and my paranoia became so heightened that we knew a big change was needed just for my mental health. We got insurance money for the totaled car, and we were able to buy a new used car, as well as purchase a fifth-wheel travel trailer. My mister's family has property, and they were also understanding and allowed us to put our trailer on that property. 
In October 2021, we moved out of that cul-de-sac and down to a country road where I thought all my paranoia would just magically melt away. When that didn't happen, I had another hard bout of depression. I knew I wouldn't be cured instantly, but I figured that I would at least feel at ease out here in the country. I was peeking out of windows and wouldn't go outside, just as I had done on the cul-de-sac. I was weeping more than a willow at this point. Now, I would never end my life, but I would be lying to say that it never crossed my mind. I was just so panicked all the time, and it was affecting all of my relationships. I thought it would be easier for everyone else if I just wasn't around. I even thought about running away. All the things that are short-term aimed. There are many things that help me. My mister, my mama, my family, more Reiki, more therapy. Books like First We Make the Beast Beautiful by Sarah Wilson or Glennon Doyle's Untamed or The Rural Diaries by Hilary Burton Morgan. In fact, The Rural Diaries gave me a sense of envy that I haven't felt in a long while. It wasn't spiteful jealousy. It was envy of having that kind of life. I was so happy she had found it. I just wanted it too. A farm where you tend to something and it counts on you. Mischief Farm sounds like a magical place to call home. Someday I would like to have a real farm with crops and gardens and chickens and whatever else our property would allow. That book got me dreaming again though. And when you have a dream, you have hope. And as my mom always says, if you have hope, you have everything. It's just so very true that everything comes back around. When I was seven or eight years old, I drew a picture of what I wanted when I grew up. It was the cutest picture of a huge house and a barn with trees and gardens. Scattered all throughout the picture were cats. The sign on the gate read, Cat Plantation. I think the teacher kept it. I would love to have that picture now. About three weeks after we moved into our trailer... On a day when I was particularly down, I saw a flash of brown and black that changed my life. It was a stray cat. My heart lit up like the 4th of July. I watched it and saw that it was rummaging through trash, and it seemed very sad and skittish. Luckily, I have an indoor cat with food to spare, and I put a bowl out for it far away from me. It quickly came and ate... And from that day on, he was known as Percy. Percy really stirred up a lot of emotions in me. When I looked at my circumstance and his circumstance, a lot was reflected in each other. Sort of like looking into a mirror. He seemed bitter and angry that someone just left him or allowed for him to have become astray. I started to realize that I was angry at these two people who had caused me such recent trauma. Inevitably, they caused me PTSD and made my life something that was so challenging for me. Percy seemed tired and broken down from having to move around and seek out some sense of safety. I, too, was exhausted searching for somewhere to feel safe. He seemed to have lived through some trauma of his own. He had seen some things and they haunted him. I could feel it. I could relate. 
The glaringly obvious similarity is that we both jumped at loud noises. Always on edge. As I continued to feed this cat, I felt useful for the first time in quite a while. I have worked since I was old enough to babysit at like 13 years old. Yes, I jump from jobs like I'm a toad trying to find that perfect lily pad. And yes, my depression had me calling in sick more than I'd like to admit. But to not earn my keep is just not part of my identity. It's been really hard to feel that you don't matter or have a purpose. And that's what Percy has given me. A different sense of being needed. It only took about a week for the lady in Percy's life to follow him. All of a sudden, I was feeding two strays. I'd been watching a lot of Dolly Parton movies that week, and so I named her Dolly. Dolly and Percy were so grateful, and they would show up every night and just sit staring at our trailer until I would come out and feed them. About two to three weeks after that, I was watching the hillside in the distance, and it moved. There was a speck of black and a big speck of white next to Dolly. You guessed it. Two little kittens. Oh my goodness. They were the cutest things that I had ever seen. I couldn't believe that she'd only have two. But we can assume that nature and the elements of little to no food made for a hard pregnancy or birth, let alone keeping kittens in line to survive in the wild. There was an all-black kitten whose legs were a little deformed. She is a zippy, fast little girl but her back legs can never fully straighten out. We named her Licorice, because who doesn't love black licorice? She is the strongest, most kind, and attentive cat in the bunch. I think that her ailment actually makes her tougher. You will never see a faster cat on the farm as she. She's a bullet despite her handicap. The other kitten was this gorgeous white and tiger-striped little dude. He was hilarious from day one. So fun to watch, so curious. But I still don't know why. To this day, I named him Banjo. Super cute, but I don't know why. Percy, Dolly Mama, Banjo, and Licorice became members of our family. We changed feeding time to morning, and you better believe that between 7 and 8 in the morning, they were sitting in a row by the breakfast spot, ready for their wet food. We give them some dry for the rest of the day and try to bring it in at night because the skunks, raccoons, kangaroo rats, etc. will just devour it. And it's not inexpensive feeding these four cats on top of our indoor cat whom requires prescription food. We're supposed to be saving money out here on this farm. As the kittens grew up, Dad began to do as nature has intended, and I'll leave it as that. We cannot have any more cats. Banjo was going to mature and start acting the same way, so we contacted the local feline network, who are such amazing people, and they set us up with traps and supplies to catch these cats and get them all fixed. Making the decision to do this was so easy on the rational side of things. It must be done, and we need to do everything in our power to stop the cycle. The actual doing it was so traumatizing for both the cats and us. My mister is a highly sensitive person as well, and we really didn't understand what we were getting into. The feelings ran amok and tears were streaming down our faces when we caught Banjo and Licorice. It was pretty easy once we figured out what would work, 
Unfortunately, Banjo hurt his head by trying to bang his way out of the darn cage. Mom was beside herself, wondering what in the world we were doing with her babies. These cats were already too feral to be adopted out, and so we just had to get them fixed and release them back into their familiar wild. They had to stay at our house overnight in little carriers, and I had some naive dream that I could hold them, and they would finally not be skittish of me. It was a sleepless night, mewing and peeing on themselves. No way could you hold them. It was so hard on my heart. And when they were well enough to release, I figured they'd be done and angry with us forever. They left so mad. But alas, they showed up to breakfast the next day. In April of 2022, Dolly had another litter of kittens. Dad couldn't help himself, and he and Dolly are impossible to catch to get fixed. It was so frustrating. We were able to finally catch five of the six kittens she had. Dolly kept moving them so we didn't know where they were. She's a really good mama. I got to hold three of these little guys because they were so young, and my heart broke, feeling their fear and seeing Mom's panic return. Now there's just one little guy left with these four cats, hoping to catch him soon. These felines take up space, physically, emotionally, in my life and here in these last three pages or so, right? They require action, energy, responsibility, and time. Some might think it's foolish to give so much energy and time to stray cats. They are hunters and they can figure it out. I have no doubt that this, this bunch would thrive and survive no matter their circumstances, and that's a lesson they are now teaching me. All the trauma and pain led me to where I sit right now, overlooking an open field as I type on my keyboard. There are moments of peace, but I still panic. There are days when I'm too sad and I don't want to get out of bed, but I now have to. Percy, Dolly Mama, Licorice, and Banjo are counting on me. When you cannot speak or make them understand why it is understandable that you would want to just sleep the day away, there's a different level of accountability in that. Perhaps it's my version of parenthood. I'm counted on in a way that exceeds any feeling of duty and purpose I ever had. This might make the humans in my life upset, but they know when I'm asked, I show up. That's the difference. These little guys can't ask. And we can't talk to each other. There is this delicate but steadfast understanding that is a bond I've never experienced before. These strays have really changed me. They have given me faith, hope, and unimaginable hours of curiosity, laughter, and joy. These cats and their needs give me something to really focus on and care for, which takes me out of my needless thoughts. Yes, I still have all that I came with but on a much lesser scale. It has been the most challenging emotional endeavor that I have ever taken on. I ache for them at night when the coyotes howl or the owls hoot, but I wake up and there they are with grumbling bellies ready for breakfast. They have shown me what resilience looks like and what dedication means. I am dedicated to their well-being. And yet... This is the greatest lesson in letting go that I will ever get. I cannot control what happens to them. When I start to worry or spiral into what ifs, I say to myself, the cost of love is loss.
I would only be sad because of all they gave me. What a gift. It's not an accident that we moved here. I don't believe anything in life is by accident. And they showed up. They were put here to help me as much as I was put here to help them. I truly believe that. I have a handful of little hard lessons of letting go, believing all will be well, taking action in their best interest, and being responsible for their well-being. I never would have thought that I would be able to do all that we've done for them. It's so messy. What you find is that when your life is the messiest, that's when you're actually able to take on more mess. For instance, what's better? You deep clean your house, and then the neighbor's kids run through your door with muddy feet and a bag full of popcorn that's just starting to break and spew out all over. Or, you didn't get to clean your house. It's pretty messy. Your trash bag just sprung a hole as the neighbor's kids run through your door with muddy feet and a busted bag of popcorn. Exactly. You can just clean it up together, all at once. And that's my essay called Strays. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope it gives you a little insight into how I've been feeling and who I am. This podcast is a heartstring to you. May you feel seen, heard, loved, and know that your feelings matter. Stay you. This podcast was written by Jenny Camille. Recorded by Jenny Camille. And the beautiful music heard at the beginning and end are by Adrian Walther, a song called Time Spent. Thank you for being here. Have a blessed day.